What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Up in Flames. We creeping and we climbing. We right there. This is episode 96. We almost at 100. So I'm starting to figure out what I'm going to do for my 100th episode. Took me a little longer to get there, but still a milestone that I'm definitely proud of. Uh, some people stop after one. Some people stop after 10. So I feel like, you know, making 100 is a huge milestone. And I got a big time guest who's well past 100 and doing big things. But I'll bring him in right after this. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah Woo. We up in, uh, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames Once again, welcome back to episode 96 of Up in Flames. Once again, creeping up on that 100. And I got a guy, like I said, friend of the show. I've been on his show. He's been on mine. Y'all know him for talking basketball. We changing it up today, though. We bringing in Max Van Auken from the Max Van Auken podcast. And we're going to talk some football because he's really been diving in football. He's been bringing his basketball knowledge over to the football side. And it's taking a huge interest. Y'all know I love football. I love basketball. I love talking it all. And so when I could get somebody who's doing both sides of the spectrum the same way I am, and, and even at a higher level, I always got to bring them in. So, Max, what's going on, bro? What is going on, man? You know I'm always a fan of chopping it up with you on your podcast. I just had you on mine. So it's always a good time, man. I'm always learning from you. And uh, like I said, listening to your show and seeing your process, you're coming up on 100 episodes. So just to be a part of that for a couple of shows, man, that's an honor. Yeah, 100%, bro. And like I said, it's always great conversations. So... Real quick, before we start, you know, before we start the show and really start talking some NFL, I said it on your show when I was a guest, what, two weeks ago, uh, we did the pick them, but well, I yep. just got to once again on my platform, take like, bro, I'm proud of you. You out here doing it really big. Um, people have no idea. You, you, you make your announcements, you let them in as much as you want to in the game room, but like, bro, you making it big time. Like you live in the dream, you know, and you're doing it, you're doing it in a way where you started off small the same way guys like me do. And like, it's, man, you could sustain that type of success. You climb into the top. And so it makes people like me believe like, yeah, us independent guys can do it. There's a role for us to do it. It doesn't have to be all, I went to Harvard and got a degree or things like that. Even though you did get your college degree, but still it's not like I have to go to Harvard to put my face on TV. So shout out to you, bro. I, I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Well, I appreciate that, first of all. And secondly, yeah, I go to a state college in Daytona State. I don't go to a big university. I don't go to uh, anything anything big, really. I couldn't afford it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And um, I had a lot of, like, family things going on in my first two years of high school. And so I had to transfer schools. And then when that happened, that kind of messed up my GPA. So then that didn't really um, help me to get scholarships to bigger schools. But one thing I would say is, for one, you're not small. And two, I'm not big time yet. But uh, I think it's always a mindset, man. I think it is who you you are, who you believe you are. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but if you carry yourself like you're that guy and you can like in a, a very respectful way, of course, but you, you carry yourself like you know who you are and you know your worth and you're important, then that's what 
how others you have no other choice but to perceive you that way. And that kind of just comes into a, it just builds momentum and it's a domino effect and you approach things like, yeah, I, I will do this. You don't have a choice. And so, and when you enjoy it the way that you and I do and the way that we talk sports, it's like, even though the process can be hard and, or you may be struggling financially, or uh, you may have to do long hours or take a shift that you don't want to do, or you have to record or edit a podcast late at night, editing is like my weakness. When you enjoy what you're doing, it, it's just like, this is nothing. This is, a, this is what I love to do. Like, why wouldn't I want to do this? I'm hungry. Yeah, so I appreciate it, it. Yeah, you do like it's like you, you start off, you do it for fun. Um, then you start getting the eyes and the ears, and people are like, oh, okay, you different and, and things like that. You know, I've heard that's what made me even start my podcast. Was like I talk sports all day long. We be on deployment for six months, and I'm sitting outside with everybody, and I'm just arguing sports. I'm having the Jordan and Braun debate with any and everybody who have it. And everybody's like, bro, I could just see you on the radio one day. So made me start this, and then you know, being able to have a spot on Dash Radio at a point in time and being able to just have consistent ears and, and people give positive feedback, have some negative feedback, then call the idiot and all that too, for some things I say you disagree, but that's cool. Like everybody's not going to agree. Everybody ain't going to love it. But at the same time, I know you listen and like any publicity mm -hmm. is good publicity because you had to have listened to told me that I was crazy for saying what I said on my show. So I appreciate the listen and I appreciate the feedback positive or negative. So let's get straight into it. Uh, yep. Monday night football. The Rams played the 49ers. The Rams look atrocious. Uh, they haven't looked the greatest um, through four games. I'm a big believer in the Super Bowl hangover as a thing, though. Uh, I think we've seen it with the Bucs. We've seen it with the Chiefs. Um, we've seen it with the Bengals, who just went. They didn't even win. We saw it with the 49ers when they went and lost to Kansas City. Like I think the two teams that have that extended season and playing that Super Bowl and that type of success, winning your conference... I think it kind of carries over in a negative manner. And I think it's been doing that for the Rams right now. But then as I'm starting to watch, I'm not fully concerned concerned for the Rams, but there's something missing. Like it's not, oh, they're just on a Super Bowl hangover. Like there's some talent missing. There's some continuity on offense that's missing. Jalen Ramsey is not playing like the best corner in the league, which everybody kind of still expected of him playing at the superstar level. Doesn't look like a superstar at times. He looks average, and I hate to say it, but like Jalen Ramsey at times looked average. Aaron Donald seems to be playing like we know he contemplated retirement. He got the bag, but is he all the way in it? Like, does he fully want to be there? And I'm not saying that he's lack of effort, but sometimes when your head's not in it, there's just certain things you don't do. And I think we're seeing that from like Aaron Donald. It seems like one of their better players that stand out on the TV screen is Bobby Wagner. And you're like, this dude might have should have retired three years ago and he's kind of revamped himself on the defense. So when I say I'm concerned for the Rams, I'm not like, oh, they should be panicking and they need to make immediate moves. But there's some missing pieces. Are, is there any cause for concern for you coming out of Los Angeles after that Monday night performance against San Francisco? Right. Uh, well, first of all, whenever you win a Super Bowl, right, the expectations are expectations are everything in sports, first of all. So mm -hmm. the expectations are wow, we want you to win a Super Bowl. Once you reach that and you have a guy like Sean McVay and you're coming off a Super Bowl, that fan base, that franchise, now the standard is no longer we want a good football team. The standard is what can you do to win another championship? Once you taste that success and that champagne, you can't go backwards. So now we're viewing them in a much higher light, a much higher standard now. So there should be concern when those standards are so high. Um, to your point, the pieces that just don't really fit right or they don't they're not coming off right when i when you asked me this question the other day 
I was like, man, that's a really good question, actually, because I picked San Fran to win that. And I went 12 and 5 for the week. And so I was like, am I worried? And I was thinking about it. It feels like a car. And it like, you're all these franchises are cars and they have to be a well-oiled machine to get to your destination. There's so many things I need to click. The coaching staff, the front office, your quarterback, your O-line. And, but the main important thing is, like the engine to your car, which is in my opinion would be the quarterback is the engine to everything. Mm-hmm. You can't go anywhere if your engine's not working. So they have that. So other than like Matt Stafford, and granted, I know a lot of people don't like the amount of picks that he's throwing. I'm not that like big on picks. So it's like, I'm not, it's not the end of the world for me, but name me something that's really good about this car or this engine or other than Stafford. Like what's good about this offense right now? Cooper Cup. I mean, like you got Cooper Cup, but it's it's to the point it's predictable. Like he's yeah. only on the Cooper Cup. You signed Allen Robinson, and you don't. Man, OBJ is a big piece to be missing right now, and I'm he could be missing for the whole season because he may not sign with the Rams. He hasn't signed with anybody, but you see, like okay, Matt Stafford didn't play really throw much in training camp, or really it didn't play at all in the preseason, and you bring in a new wide receiver. And we know that's everything is getting report quarterback and wide receiver. Like, look at when Tom Brady joined Tampa during COVID. He was illegally practicing with his wide receivers because he knew how important it was to work out with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And then even bringing in, bringing in Antonio Brown, who he has some rapport with for a few weeks in, in New England. Like, he knows how important it is to have guys that you click with, which is also why he brought Gronk to Tampa with him. Like, I, I need guys that I could click with. I need to... And Matt Stafford hasn't really been able to do that. And you see it because you have this new, what, rookie wide receiver. Uh, I forget his name. He goes out. He, he hurt his ankle yesterday. Mm. But then you have Allen Robinson, who doesn't even look like half of the Allen Robinson in Chicago. And Allen Robinson in Chicago fell off last year. But we were just thinking it was the offense and the inconsistency at quarterback where you didn't know whether it was going to be Dalton or Fields and then the bad coach and the Matt Nagy. Like, we gave him all this benefit of the doubt. And now you're like, he's even worse. Like, he's just there. But. Stafford's not throwing his way. And so I am, their offense has become so predictable. It's easy to stop. Like you put your best corner on Cooper Cup. He's going to get his, he's going to eat. But you turn 10 receptions, 122 yards last year. That's 10 catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Now you just give up 10 to 12 yards and stop the big play. You put your corner in your top safety over the top. And like Cooper Cup has to get possession receptions. 100%. And it goes back to the expectation is a championship. And so when you want a Super Bowl, and I'm thinking about, okay, who they have to beat. And I'm thinking about the top teams in the NFL right now. I'm taking Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Bucks. I'm not thinking about the Rams right away. And so, yeah, I would be worried to answer your question because, yeah, there's like Allen Robinson looks like a shell of himself. They don't feel like these puzzle pieces fit right now. And so even though you don't want to necessarily panic, but there should be some worry and there needs to be a sense of urgency. And I do believe in Sean McVay. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. And I, I know he's very good at manipulating the defense and coming up with different schemes and manipulations. So I do have faith in Sean McVay, but I am worried for the Rams. Yeah. And then I, I'm concerned defensively that like I'm looking and I'm like, they have the names, they have the play, but nobody's playing up to the level that we thought like Aaron Donald hasn't been, he's, he's great. We know that. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt, but he really hasn't done nothing that sticks out on the tape this year. Jalen Ramsey looks average. I mean, and this is how I measure like how Jalen Ramsey two years ago, even last year, 
Wide receivers would not in back-to-back weeks or in four weeks straight be disrespecting and talking trash to Jalen Ramsey, especially a guy like Debo Samuel, who knows he has to see him again. And he was like, I don't know what he was doing out there. Like, they were throwing shade. Stephon Diggs was throwing. They're picking. The offense is deciding to pick on Ramsey. Now, when Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs do it, you're like, well, that's that's what they're going to do. This is an elite quarterback, top two to three quarterback in the league. This is probably a top two to three wide receiver in the league and Stephon Diggs. So you're like, you can do that. A, a great wide receiver in a great corner, somebody's got to win the reps. And so it's not, that wasn't the indictment on Jalen Ramsey, but then like Debo's cooking them and, and people are coming at Jalen Ramsey and they're, they're bringing back up the receipts of all the trash that Jalen Ramsey has talked about all of these receivers when he was playing like that guy. And right now he's not playing like that guy. So like, are you concerned about some of the stars on defense that really aren't playing to the, to the expectation that we expect them to play as individual players? Yeah, absolutely. To everything you just said, I agree 100%. And whenever, like, I don't know I feel the NFL especially is like this because it is very physical and it is very competitive and there is a, sense of urgency and it's different than the nba right because the nba if you and i have a bad game say we're nba players if we had a bad game we may play tomorrow night you don't even think about last night when you lose in the nfl you have a whole week to think about it that's your whole week the coach is ripping you the whole week you're watching film the whole week social media is going at you people don't forget about it sunday night happens we're talking about it monday we're talking about it tuesday we're thinking mm-hmm. about it all week. And so when you know there's a big target on your back already because you're Super Bowl champs and you know you've been getting called out and it's just continuing to happen, that's a concern. It definitely is a concern. So if I'm the Rams, uh, there's a lot of things that need to get changed, a lot of things that need to get fixed. But to answer your initial question, there's a lot of concerns for individual players who look like shells of themselves and there's just concerns for the overall team, how it's looking. Yeah, because, I mean, through four weeks, they're only two and two. So it's like they're not out of the race. They're not out of their winning their division. It's still early, but like this is like the first quarter report. Like through the first quarter of the season, the Rams have not looked like the team who pretty much brought back all of their players. They don't look like the team that we thought. So I want to move on because we're keeping it on concern. There's a couple of coaches I'm concerned about, Um, mainly in the NFC, Cliff Kingsbury and Matt Rule. Now, I think Cliff Kingsbury's seat has been hot since last year. Uh, me personally, I've watched the Cardinals on multiple occasions this year. And I know like Kyler Murray had that Madden like, you know, two point conversion to end up beating the Raiders. But Kyler Murray doesn't look that great, to be honest. Like he's not playing up to expectation. The Cardinals don't look like a good team. Um, So when I think of Cliff Kingsbury, I think he is on the hot seat. And like, I don't know in the front office, like the general manager and the owner, what the expectation was. But like they're pretty much a borderline playoff team or or make the playoffs like they made the playoffs last year and got obliterated by the Rams. So the next step is like make the playoffs again, possibly win the division, make the playoffs and get a playoff win. Like you got to build a, it, it's baby steps. So you just missed it. Then you make it and get smacked like, OK, now we might can win the division, make the playoffs. We gave Kyler Murray all this money. And they just look terribly coached, to be honest. And I know like offensively, when you tell me you have an offensive mind, I expect that to be the strong point of your team. Like you can't hire, like we talked about with Nathaniel Hackett, for example, like if you're this offensive mind, the offense can't look like the weak point of your team. And so it's like that with Click Kingsbury and usually Kyler Murray's cooking early and they fade off into the sunset and do nothing late into the season. Kyler Murray's been an MVP candidate 
last year. And then it's like the last seven games, we like wrote them off. Like, man, this just isn't a good team. Like they start off hot, but at some point, like they stumble. And I know the offense is missing DeAndre Hopkins, which is huge. But like what can Cliff Kingberry, like his seat's got to be hot, right? Like you don't think he could be fired at the end of the season and they decide to move on? I think you're right, but it's a really weird situation because normally I'd say when there's smoke, there's fire. And like you're you're 100% correct. They're, you, you have to have an identity. Like no matter what business, no matter what mm-hmm. sport, podcasting, we all have identities. What's your identity? What's my identity? Like what are you known for? Coaching is the same exact way. Like we know Shanahan, offensive wizard. Like you said, Nathaniel mm-hmm. Hackett, that's the problem with Daniel Hackett right now is because, yeah, you're supposed to be an offensive guy and we're not seeing any of that. So what's your identity? And so with this situation, it's really weird for me, though, because one thing I've been hearing a lot, and I know you have as well, is there's been a lot of criticism of Kyler Murray's dedication and his leadership, and they say he played a lot of video games, and they've been going back and forth, and they're constantly taking shots at each other. So I don't know if the front office is sitting there saying, yeah, we paid a lot of money to this guy, so let's, we got to stick with him. We need to figure out this offense with him. Or if they're thinking the same thing, like, hey, we got someone that's just not getting it at the quarterback position. So I do believe whenever you have that much money invested in a player with that amount of talent, that when it doesn't work out, the coach is obviously going to be on the hot seat. But there seems to be a like there's they're not clicking between um, Kingsbury and Murray. So I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a Murray issue, if it's a Kingsbury issue. It's something's going on. But one thing I will say about Kyler Murray He's getting a lot of heat, and a lot of people don't think he plays the quarterback position well or not fundamentally sound. I don't know. I don't know if you feel this way. I was going to ask you that. If you have the ability to run and make something out of nothing, I want you to do that. It's not something that may you want to do every single play. It may not be the most reliable, consistent thing to do every night in and night out. But if you have the ability to do that, why are we crushing him for doing that? I'm not saying he's the best quarterback. He's not on Allen's level or Mahomes level or even Burrow's level. But I like the fact that Russell Wilson could cook back in the day. I like the fact that Lamar Jackson can run. Why are we criticizing Kyler Murray for running? Uh, it's because they want to hold on. Cause here's the thing. Like I'm with, like I'm with you, like Kyler Murray, Jalen hurts, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. They don't play the position co- conventionally, conventionally like you want them to. They don't drop back three step or five step drop and get rid of the ball. They extend plays. They make plays. They play college football style quarterbacks, which people a lot of times don't think translates to the utmost success in the NFL, but we're in a new era. I mean, even Josh Allen running the ball, but it's weird. They kill him for running because they're like, oh, that doesn't, it's not sustainable. Once you take hits, then you're not going to last. You're not a big guy. But like guys like Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, they just, they're ballers. And I don't think people love it because they're not like, they are quarterbacks. They can throw the ball. They have the arm talent, but they're just ballers. They're just guys that when you put the ball in their hands, they make a play. And whether it's with their legs, whether it's with their arms, but people don't think that sustains to Super Bowls and really until so, like if Cam Newton had won a Super Bowl in Carolina, I think we look at these quarterbacks a lot different. But Cam yeah. Newton lost. Had Michael Vick ever won a Super Bowl in Atlanta or Philly? I think we look at how this sustains to success a lot different, but even like Cam, that type of quarterback, now granted he was 6'6", 250, but that type of quarterback style 
got to the Super Bowl, but still never won the Super Bowl. And so I do feel like if one of those, like Vic or Newton, had won the Super Bowl, I think even now, had Deshaun Watson already won the Super Bowl, or had Lamar already won one after winning the MVP, like I think they're just looked at as regular season performers and it hasn't sustained into championship successes. So that's why people are still weary because they're like, okay, it's great. They win MVP. They're not winning championships. And so until one of them get that breakthrough, people are going to continue to be hesitant on it. And that's very, that's very true. That's a great point. He reminds me of Russell Wilson a couple of years back, just being able to make something out of nothing. And I, I understand you have to learn how to slide, first of all, because you're right. You could take a lot more damage, especially at the quarterback position. You, it's essential you learn how to slide. But I'm going to give you something. I was, in, I was talking to uh, Leshawn McCoy about this. I was talking about this with Darnell Smith. And I was like, Anderson Silva, Michael Vick, Allen Iverson, Lamar Jackson, and you could probably put like Kyrie Irving or Russell Westbrook in there are just flat out different type of people, different skill sets. Like in all, they all, even though they're all different sports or Roy Jones Jr. You can put in this, they're like all leap off the screen talented, just ridiculous. Even if you took your grandma who never watched football day in her life and you put on the screen, like that dude is just moving different. Like that guy is just faster than everybody. Like all of those individuals, like I said, Michael Vick is in there are all so special in their own way. And I feel like you need to let them be who they are now to your initial question, Cliff may not be the guy for Murray. So maybe, yeah, then maybe that's not the right fit. But I feel like mm -hmm. you kind of have to lean into who Murray is more rather than trying to take turn him into something he's not. Yeah, but sometimes you do. You don't want during contract negotiations things leaking, which I'm sure leaked from Arizona. But you don't want to hear about your quarterback not dedicated. You don't want to hear about the lack of leadership for your quarterback. So with that being a problem and then you question coaching like, that's kind of recipe for disaster. And you just paid Kyler Murray. So if you feel like it's Cliff or Kyler, Cliff's going to go. You just paid Kyler. Like, you're not trading Kyler. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Like, you just paid him the bag. What? Basically the Russell Wilson contract. And then I'm glad you brought up Russell Wilson real quick just because of that point. Russell Wilson was not the breakthrough player for, for all these guys to get respect. Because I don't think Russell Wilson has ever gotten the full respect he deserved. Everybody everybody is like, it's the defense. It was an elite defense, and Russell Wilson just had to make a few plays. And then Pete Carroll never just always had high praise for what Russell Wilson was as a talent. And so that's why if somebody would be like, well, Russell Wilson won with that kind of style. Yeah, but when you talk about the Seattle Seahawks, people praise the defense. And then you've, the been, hearing of, yeah, you've been hearing a lot of shade. Like on the Richard Sherman podcast, I'd be listening – and like they're like Russ, ah, we didn't get along with Russ. Like they're trying to make Russ out to be like this bad guy that was selfish and and wasn't necessarily the leader that we thought he was. And so that's why he wasn't the breakthrough because he doesn't get a lot of the credit. What he gets the credit for is the negative of when they had an opportunity game on the line and they should have just went conventional and ran the ball. Russell throws an interception, and now everybody could be like, "See, I told you he was carried by the defense with the game on the line." Russell Wilson threw it to the opposite team and Malcolm Butler. So we could question that call, but I think Russell Wilson gets a little disrespected on what he did in his tenure in Seattle. And that's why he's not the guy who was the breakthrough for Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray to be fully respected as this is a way we can win championship football. That's gold right there. You need to go ahead and clip that right there. That is gold. It's 100% true to this day, Russell Wilson does not get his respect. And granted, he hasn't been playing good this season, right? And mm -hmm. he's in a new team. Obviously, we have Nathaniel Hackett, which we've already talked about. It's a different system. You have an offensive guy who doesn't even run a competent offensive system. 
So there's a lot that he has to deal with, and I'm not making excuses for his poor play, but talking about the past, like what does Pete Carroll really gave after the Legion of Boom, after that age and kind of went its course? After that, they didn't have an elite defense, and they didn't give him any real offensive help, and he was still able to make stuff out of nothing. The only reason why that Seahawks franchise was relevant for as long as they were is because of Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I will say before we move on to Matt Rule, I said when Russell Wilson went to Denver, I said he's going to be upset. And I said, it's no shade on these guys, but Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are not DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And this was prior to knowing that Chris Carson was going to retire. I'm like, I don't think when healthy, I don't think Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon or Chris Carson. So I was like, we can talk about the lack of offensive line and lack of defense, but on the rust, I was like, he's going to miss DK and Tyler Lockett. And you see, they still eating with Geno Smith. I was like, no, no shade to Sutton and Judy, but. <laughs> They just haven't shown it enough for me to be like, yeah, they're both. Neither of them are better than DK, and I really don't think neither of them are better than Tyler Lockett. I mean, that was Tyler Lockett went crazy last year with Russell Wilson. So prior to Russell Wilson getting hurt, so that's my biggest thing is is with the Russell Wilson thing. So Matt Rule, now I think his seat is burning, and he's a guy I could see he could get fired twelve games into the season now. NFL moves a little different than college. I mean, we've seen multiple. We're, we're only going into week six, the midway point through the season in college. And we've seen multiple uh, coaches at big time programs get fired. NFL moves a little different. They don't, they try and, you know, weather the storm real quick and see if we can balance it out before they just throw an interim head coach in there. Outside of like, you know, with the John Gruden situation, there's your, there's your like, you know, um, but Matt Rule, I don't know if he makes it through the season. Carolina is bad. He's he's another guy. He's an offensive head coach. He came out of college. Now, he did come from college, and a lot of these guys that come from college, Kingsbury and Matt Rule, have, don't usually have the ultimate success. You've seen Nick Saban. Like, we can say Pete Carroll did because he did. I was like, man, we seen Nick Saban go back to college and was like, you know, I'm just going to run a dynasty for the next 20 years. I wasn't built for this NFL stuff. Now, different situation, but still, Matt Rule's supposed to be known for his offense. He's never had a potent offense, and he built through the draft a defense to be able to make up for knowing that that's not his strong suit. So if I get a decent defensive coordinator and give him plenty of talent, which I thought was a smart thing to do, like, you know that's not your strong suit. So while you have Christian McCaffrey, and they've never really had a set quarterback for him. I mean, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Cam Newton had to come back, P.J. Walker, but at the same time, like, you have weapons. You got Baker Mayfield, who some people were still trying to convince me, like, uh-oh, he could revive his career in Carolina, and he's a good quarterback. He's bad. It is what it is. He's bad. Sam Darnold had an opportunity to revive his career. It wasn't Sam Darnold. It was the situation. He's bad. Like, sometimes guys just show you who they are. They're bad. I'm sorry. There's, if Baker Mayfield was my backup quarterback, I would feel great. If Baker Mayfield is my starting quarterback, tank. Like, I, I don't feel confident in winning any more than six or seven games. They got DJ Moore. They got Terrace Marshall Jr. They have Christian McCaffrey and Chuba Hubbard in the backfield. They got Robbie Anderson. None of those guys are making noise. Outside of McCaffrey, he's semi-consistent, but we know he gets banged up. None of those guys are making noise. The offense looks horrible. Baker Mayfield looks horrible. But I think that's on coaching. Like, And then I think we would be at a point where maybe Matt Corral would be playing had he not broke, broke his ankle. 
and being drafted. Like, I think Matt Rule would have tried to save his job, but like, you know what? Let's get the quarterback we drafted out of Ole Miss. We're going to throw him in there and see if it's a spark and see if we have a building block at quarterback and I can save my job for one more year, coach this kid up and, and see what we do with him for the future. But he doesn't have that opportunity. It's bad when you're playing so bad, you're getting asked questions about when is Sam Darnold coming back? And do you plan on putting Sam Darnold back on the field when he gets there? Like, But that's an indictment on coaching. When you have a bad team, Sometimes you lack players, but you can make certain coaches make players a little bit better. You get the best out of them, like Bill Belichick. Obviously, we know that's like on the greatest level, but Sean McVay, you know, takes what looks like a washed Odell Beckham, and it was his fault that, you know, he wasn't good and necessarily great in Cleveland like we thought he would be with Baker Mayfield. And then, like, boom, prior to him tearing the ACL, he had a huge impact in the playoffs and he had a huge impact in the Super Bowl. Probably could have won Super Bowl MVP had he not tore his ACL right before halftime. So when I look at Matt Rule, I mean, I I think he would be the guy that gets fired before the season is over. What, how do you feel about Matt Rule? You hit all the points right there. I 100% agree again. Uh, Matt Rule, this would probably be, I don't know what game it will be, but he won't be coaching the Panthers by the end of the season. I feel confident saying that. Yeah, I and I don't – and Baker Mayfield won't be a quarterback again after this year. He, I, I think Baker, again or he'll be just a backup? Oh, yeah, yeah. But he'll be a backup. Okay. He won't be yeah, a okay. – he's, he, he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. I thought – now, I wasn't a big Baker guy going into the draft. I actually liked Darnold, believe it or not, and I was wrong on Darnold anyway. But um, Baker, his best situation was in Cleveland. He had a lot of weapons. I mean, granted, the coaching changes, that didn't help him. But once he finally had that um, continuity with the coaching staff and that st- those set of players he had, he'll never have that again. And it shows he's a quarterback who he could be a good backup. Or if he has a good to above roster, he could probably get you a couple games. If you have an average to mediocre roster or you have an average head coach to below average head coach, he can't. he's not talented enough to overcome that dysfunction. He can't mm-hmm. do that for you. And, and what's the worst thing about it, I don't know if you saw the Giannis clip, but Giannis had a recent interview today describing what makes LeBron so great, what made Jordan so great, and Kobe and Steph. He gets it. Like, he understands it. It's like, it's not about your skills. It's not about that. And it's the same, same kind of thing with a quarterback. Of course, you need to have an arm. I need you to be accurate. I need you to be able to see above your O-line. But you need to move your feet. You got to be able to move around in the pocket. But you need to have that that aura about you. You need to be a leader. You need to have that accountability when you don't take credit when you win, but you take the blame when you lose. I never got that with him. So when you have a quarterback like that with the coaching that you're talking about, with the identity not even being there, it's just a recipe for disaster. I don't see Matt Rule making it by the end of the season. I don't see Baker being a starting quarterback after this season either. Yeah, 100%. And, and going on that Giannis clip, it's like, because when you get to the professional level, you're not lacking the skills. Like, it's nobody in the NBA is not talented. Like, now when we're measuring them to their counterparts, we're measuring pros against pros. Yes, you're lacking the talent that somebody else is. You're not as good as somebody else. But, like, all those guys are dropping 100 in men's leagues at the YMCA. Like, so it's not the lack of talent. (laughs) But like he said, it's the dedication. It's the commitment. It's the want to be great. It's it's, do you want to do the little things? Do you want to be – you got to spend the extra time. And and Baker – I'm not saying he doesn't work hard, but – he hasn't necessarily gotten better. He was the number one overall pick. And like at this point, to be the number one overall pick, not make it through your first contract and be on another team and already being called to be benched and basically considered a backup quarterback, like a, a journeyman backup quarterback, you'll be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick or Case Keenum. You're a bust. So, you know, and one guy who's been right about him the whole time, 
Good old Uncle Colin Coward. Like he's been trying to tell everybody for years. And I've never thought, first off, I, I used to have hate for Baker Mayfield ever since he planted that flag on Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the guy. But I was like, okay, well, I mean, you know, he won the Heisman. He, he was he was great in college, but not all great college players translate over. And then he never like matured. He never seemed like he was gonna take, and then I think it's gonna cost Matt Rule his job. It, yep. it probably cost some of his other coaches the job. We could blame them on bad coaching, but the quarterback situation wasn't necessarily helping. And we keep we kept blaming the coaches, blaming the coaches, and like they're hindering Baker Mayfield and like well, we've given them five different coaches, which isn't an ideal situation for a guy to really succeed. But at the same time, like of those five coaches, the common factor of all of them being on the hot seat and pretty much everybody losing their jobs, Stefanski got rid of Baker before he could lose his job. He got rid of Baker, brought in Deshaun Watson. A lot of people don't agree with that move at the time, but still like he got rid of Baker and rocked with Jacoby Brissett before he lost his job. Like he's like, I'm not about to be another victim of, being Baker Mayfield's head coach. And now Matt Rule was coming into the season on the hot seat. He was depending on basically Baker Mayfield to save the win the winner of the starting quarterback battle between Darnold and Baker, which everybody was pretty much hoping it would be Baker. He was depending on his job was dependent on Baker Mayfield. And like you said, neither one of us think he's going to make it through the rest of the season. So I, I yeah, I, I think both of these guys are on the hot seat. And I really could see both of these guys being jobless. And I think both of them could go back to college after this. And I think they could have Uber success. In college, Cliff Kingsbury had a crazy offense in college. And, uh, you know, obviously coached at Texas Tech, Coach Patrick Mahomes. You know, Matt Rule had built that. He built a couple programs from ground up and built them into contenders, built that Baylor program. So I think they'll end up back in college. I don't think they're terrible head coaches. I just don't think they're good NFL head coaches. So the first two topics, I kind of took these answers and went on my rant and then only gave you an opportunity to be like, yeah, I agree, and then kind of hit on points I didn't. So I'm going to give this one to you. And I'm just going to ask the question, is Kansas City still the team to beat in the NFL? Absolutely. Still number one. Until the anointed champions, the Buffalo Bills, beat them, they're the champs. This is, I understand they didn't just go to the Super Bowl recently, but Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the world. I, and I truly believe that. I think it's him and Josh Allen. Of course, Tom Brady looks like he's not aging at all. And I think Tom Brady is going to be even more motivated considering everything that's going on. While people laugh and joke about him, but... All that to say, Patrick Mahomes is number one. Like, I'm going to give you a little teaser of some, some material I've been working on that I'm hopefully going to release here shortly. I've compared NBA. I'm going to give certain analogies. And Rashad's already said this one, so I'll shout him out with this one. And it's 100% true. Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes are one. The way that they make this so effortless. The way they make it look so easy. The way that they're able to put points on the board that doesn't make sense. Like there's a lot of people who are successful. There's a lot of people who are champions, but they're not all created equal. Like there's this, like the Golden State Warriors window, that like couple championships is not equivalent to the San Antonio Spurs, for example. No disrespect to San Antonio. Like the way they beat people, how easy they make it look, just the way he makes it look like a video game. Like this is Patrick Mahomes' world. We're just living in it. And it, with, to pair that with Andy Reid, like there's just some things that feel like it's just meant to happen. Like you can tell this in a movie one day. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, like as much as I love Josh Allen, what's going on with Buffalo, I don't believe in that coaching staff and Josh Allen as much as I do as Andy Reid and Mahomes. Like mm -hmm. he's an offensive guy, Mahomes' repertoire and his skill set fits perfectly for what Mahomes wants to do and what Andy Reid wants to do. So when you pair that with a guy like Mahomes who gets it and understands it, 
I don't think this team is as scary as they may have been in the past with Tyree Kill or the way the defense is playing them at times so straight up, but they are the team to beat. I think it's them. You have Buffalo. You can go Eagles, Bucks, but I do believe it's Chiefs number one. You can't say they're not the champs until you beat the champ. Yeah, 100%. Like, bro, I've been, I was, I was having to argue this preseason. I'm like, well, what has Buffalo done to basically, they were like the hands down favorite to come out the AFC, win the Super Bowl, and give us the MVP. Lofty expectations <laughs> for a team that hasn't played in an AFC championship game. And I always look at, you don't just wake up one day and have a championship team. You don't just wake up and win a championship. And Buffalo has been building. Like, they, they've made the playoffs. Josh Allen has turned into a superstar quarterback. Top five, probably top three. I think I'd have him at number two. To be honest, like it's Mahomes number one, and I'm not like I won't. He's better than Josh Allen, but I'm cool with Josh Allen being number two. But like they've they've been building towards this, and like Kansas City had that roster where you're like it's the quarterback. Like Alex Smith is good, but I think Patrick Mahomes is our guy. We gave him a year to sit, and then boom, like AFC Championship immediately, and in a shootout. And if it wasn't for offsides probably goes on to the Super Bowl and probably wins, especially the way we've seen the, that Patriots-Rams game go uh, yeah. that year in a 10-3. They probably win. So, But even still, they, they go back the next year. They win the Super Bowl. Then they go to the Super Bowl the next year. Then last year, they played the AFC Championship has been a Kansas City home game. To reach a Super Bowl, you have to go through Kansas City for the past four years. So why would I think it's going to be any different? And now it's not that Buffalo can't do it. You just got to prove it to me. I got to see it. We, you said, like you said, we anointed them champions in preseason for whatever reason because, like, oh, they have it all. They're great. And then I'm just saying, this is football. Half their defense is injured already. Safety out for the season. I'm not trying to have great players, but guys are already getting banged up. Jamison Crowder, boom, broken ankle. Like, he's, he's probably out for the season. Like, so you get banged up and they're lacking a running game. But when I look at Kansas City, I'm like, okay. They don't have Tyreek Hill, but what they did was took a bunch of guys to try and replace the production. Valdez Scantling can take the top off of defense. Is he Tyreek Hill with it? Nowhere close, but that's an aspect of Tyreek Hill's game that we tried to get. Juju Smith-Schuster is a pretty solid route runner. Tyreek Hill knows how to get open. All right, so we're going to add him for that part. So they took three or four guys. They drafted Sky Moore, a shifty slot receiver. We haven't seen much of him yet, but, you know, he's only a rookie. Play, played small-time ball, so at the same time, he could develop into the season, and they're gearing for the playoffs, but when I look at Kansas City, I'm like, what have they done except play home games at AFC Championship for us to be like, it wouldn't go this way? Last year was Cincinnati. Uh, the year before that, who did, who did Kansas City play in the AFC Championship the year before that? Tennessee. Like, they, yeah. it wasn't yeah. Tennessee? So, yeah. like, Everybody has had to either, like, Bengals had to go to Kansas City and win that game. So everything runs through Kansas City for the past four years. New England had to do it. Tennessee had to do it. And Cincinnati had to do it. So I just don't see why it would be any different this time. And the thing is, and I and I referenced Patrick Mahomes having that Bluetooth quality, too. Like I've said, LeBron can connect to anybody. And when people hear that, he's not the only quarterback that does it. Josh Allen can do it. I believe Tom Brady can do it. But just because you're talented doesn't mean you have it. Like, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that. Aaron Rodgers can throw you open, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't connect with everybody. Like, Aaron Rodgers has looked people off, and he has that passive-aggressive, I'm not going to talk to you for the rest of the game. Like, mm -hmm. the way Patrick Mahomes embraces the challenge and embraces new pieces, and it's like, okay, on to the next one. Like, 
that's just so impressive to me. And to do it at such a young age, and like he just gets it back to kind of like that Giannis clip. That's why I'm like, it's just so to just write them off so early and to say, it's okay if you say they didn't look the best this week. It's okay if you said, hey, they have some problems or they don't look as good defensively or the offense doesn't look like they have as much firepower. Okay, you could say those things. I'm not saying you can't be critical or you can't look through that type of lens, but to just all of a sudden anoint, yeah, the Bills, that's the that's the team right there. It's like, how could you say that? Like when you said this has been their playground, their home game for the last four years in that uh, conference championship game. So until that happens, they're the number one team in my eyes. Yeah, and then like like you know they give up a stinker against the Colts. Every great team does it. Nobody, it no, this team doesn't go undefeated and then go on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, that's just not a thing. You're gonna have two, three, four losses. Play in the playoffs, it, it happens. No team really goes perfect. Last team that went perfect didn't finish and win. The, didn't finish the job and win the Super Bowl in the New England Patriots. And and they responded by this was a defense. This was a Tampa Bay Bucks defense that we said might carry the Tampa Bay Bucks the way the Denver Broncos carried Peyton Manning in his last year to win a Super Bowl, which means, and they they responded by putting up 41 points and Patrick Mahomes looking right back magical. In a week where Josh Allen did get the win, but he didn't look good, and that's fine. Great quarterbacks are not going to play great for 17 games, but he still got the win, and that's what great quarterbacks do. I may not play great, but I have my moments within the game, and Josh Allen had his moment within the fourth quarter and was able to march the ball down the field, put them in field goal position, and win the game. And so that's what great quarterbacks do. And great quarterbacks also respond to adversity. So when you're like, we gave up one against the Colts, how do I respond? Oh, let me remind y'all who I am with Patrick Mahomes. Let me break two tackles out the backfield, make a spin move, and before I commit to running the ball, I'm just going to flick it right over the defense and drop it in the pocket for a touchdown. Like, And you don't watch Mahomes and feel like, you. I don't even know if you feel like there's another guy that can do what he does at this moment. He looks very, we were saying that about Aaron Rodgers at this age. We're saying it now about Patrick Mahomes. And as great as Aaron Rodgers is, as great as his arm is, at this age in his career, he cannot do what Patrick Mahomes can do. Josh Allen cannot do what Patrick Mahomes can do. Neither can Tom Brady or anybody else. But one thing is, Mahomes can do what all of them can do. Anything they can do, he can do better. And so you take that and like, that's the best quarterback in college football. When I have a guy who he could play any style that they play, he could get a run. He could get 15, 20 yards. He's quick enough. He's able to move out the pocket. He can extend plays, but none of them can do any of that to the level that he does it. So I think Kansas City is definitely still the team to beat. I knew we would agree on that. But that's also why I let you go first and get yours in before I go on my little <laughs> five-minute rant. So last topic real quick, um, and then we'll just broadly touch on basketball because you are also a basketball guru as well. Uh, I want to talk about the best of the worst in I think, you know, my boy said it and it made me think like, well, there's not really a lot of bad football teams. Like the record will tell you it's a bad team. But when you watch them, you're like, they're not bad. They're just losing. And like good teams find ways to win and bad teams find ways to lose. But like there are teams that are one in three. And I look at the talent on paper. These are solid teams like they have potential. They can turn it around. And because there's enough of these teams in the NFL right now, like nobody outside of like in the NFC East where the Eagles are 4-0, Dallas is 3-1, and the Giants are 3-1, no 1-3 team is really out of their conference race essentially. The, the next team is probably two games ahead at 3-1. and one. So being two games behind with another, what, 13 games to go, you're not out of the race of possibly winning your division. So 
I'm gonna start. I'm gonna let you start with best of the worst. We're considering for anybody from 22 to 32 in the standing. So some some might be two and two. Some might be one and three. Some team might not have a win yet. But who is the best of the worst for you? A team that pops out to me. Now, they may not be the very best of the worst, but it's just very interesting to me how hard these guys are playing is for Dan Campbell and the Lions. I, I, I just – I wasn't expecting that. And, yeah, like you said, they're one and three right now. So you don't look at them like, oh, yeah, they're doing great. But when you watch this team play, like they're playing hard. They just – they look like even when they're losing, I'm still a little bit impressed by them. And so they may not be – they may not have the roster of some other teams, but – this Lions team is really, really interesting. Now, of course, you have the Vikings and the Packers who are three and one right now, so I don't think they'll win the division. But I would just say the Lions, their record doesn't reflect how good I believe this team is. So let me ask you, since you said the Lions, I've said this and everybody calls me crazy. I don't think the Lions need to worry about a quarterback. I think they have a good court. Do you think you could build this team around Jared Goff and be a competitive team? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think you can. I think you can. Now, he's not in the same sentences as a Lamar, as a Burrow and an Allen and Mahomes, but you don't always have to have a Lamar, a Burrow, and a Mahomes. It is a disadvantage. I mean, especially when you have like Aaron Rodgers who you're playing against. But I mean, look at Kirk Cousins. That's a guy who three and one right now. I believe this Vikings team. He's finally being embraced. Like Kirk Cousins was never really embraced. There was always <laughs> something he had to overcome. There was always a hurdle. He was never like the first option. You think of Kirk Cousins or an injury, but this team feels like they've embraced him. And when you think of Kirk Cousins, he's not in the same sense of Aaron Rodgers. But I like this Vikings team better than I like this Packers team. Like yeah. I, I like this Vikings team a lot. And so that's kind of the same thing with Jared Goff. He may not be that guy of the Lamar, but he's a legitimate guy. If you have the right roster around him, the right coaching staff and the right pieces and you buy into who he is and lean into who he is, I think he can be. Yeah. And I think Detroit's doing that because like Amon Rasate Brown is a, he's, he's a dude. Jamison yeah. Williams will be coming back. They drafted him because they're like, I think they drafted weapons and they built an offensive line, which tells me they're not ready to give up on Jared Goff either. And I think Dan Campbell loves him. I, and like you said, I think he can be, a Jimmy Garoppolo, where if we got enough players on both sides of the ball, we can win some games and we can really be competitive. And who knows where that competitiveness can take us. You got DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams at running back. You have Amamra. You have uh, DJ Chark. You got TJ Hawkinson at tight end. And then at some point, hopefully in the season, you'll have Jamison Williams return. How great he'll be coming off of ACL and being a rookie and adapt adapting to the NFL. I'm not gonna kill him if he's not great at first. I'm not gonna. I'm not the guy who's like he's coming off ACL. He's <laughs> he's trash. Like they should have never took him. But at the right. same time, like we'll be able to. I think we'll be able to get a fair shake of like unless they're bottom three or four teams. Like I don't think there's a guy coming out of college outside of if you have the ability to draft C.J. Stroud and maybe Bryce Young. I'm not taking any of these projects when I'm like, I got a lot of talent on offense. I got some talent. I got a little bit of talent on defense. We could keep building, but you got Jeff Okudu who's come back off an of injury and been an elite corner. You got Aiden Hutchison. So now you start building on that defensive side. You got a star left tackle and Peeney Sewell. So like you start building on that defensive side and you'd be like one more year and we could be one more draft. We kill it next year and we could be a really good team. And so I think you can be that. 
um, with Jared Goff. I just fully believe that I don't think the Lions need to be evaluating the quarterback position. I think they need to find their weaknesses, attack that in the draft at free agency, give Goff one more year after. And if he makes the playoffs or something, like, hey, you restructure his contract, he'll come cheap. He already got a max deal, you know, when he signed with the Rams and you traded for it. He'll come cheaper than having to pay a superstar quarterback or he'll come at a price where you know he can win games and you don't have to start over and input a rookie and expect him to adapt with a roster that's ready to win now, which is where I think San Francisco kind of went wrong. I think they should have stayed the course with Jimmy G and looked at the quarterback class mm. down the line as opposed to doing it with Trey Lance because you already knew you were going to sit him a year and then you could have had I think they should have took Justin Fields in the first place, but I'd have been looking two years down the line and be like, if we really willing to move up, if we really willing to move picks, like I'm looking at this CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, you know, uh, draft of quarterbacks because I knew this would be this would be the time to be evaluating Jimmy G and looking to move on from him if he doesn't reach expectations. As far as me, my best of the worst is the Saints. Uh, yeah. This roster's, they're loaded. Like, when you really think about it, they got a sound defense. They got stars everywhere. They got Cam Jordan. They have Marshawn Lattimore. They have Honey Badger. So, they have start. Pete Warner is a good linebacker in the NFL. So, they have talent at all levels on the defense. And then, obviously, I mean, when you look at the offense, the only question, it, there's two questions, health and then the quarterback position. But Jameis isn't really able to answer a question. I mean, this man is playing with fractures in his back and a bum ankle right now. So Andy Dalton filled in. The offense looked pretty sound. And mind you, they look sound. I think they win that game if Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas play. Like, I, I fully believe mm. that. But that was the difference. You expected Andy Dalton to look good. And I think he looked good enough that if Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas play in that game, I think they beat the Vikings. Like, the Vikings did not play great. Um, their kicker basically won them that game. I mean, he played outstanding, didn't miss a field goal, but the New Orleans Saints have a win now roster with an answer at court. They have to have the answer at quarterback and it may not be Jameis and it may not be Andy Dalton. Um, how I look at it is imagine if they had Jameis, if they were sitting in the same position as the Cleveland Browns, where if they had been the ones that traded for Deshaun Watson, because it was the Saints, the Falcons and the Browns, had they landed Deshaun Watson, I think if they were able to stay afloat, through his suspension, I think we'd be talking about Deshaun Watson. If he come back and they're at 500, he could lead this team to a Super Bowl. Like, I think this roster is that good. But when your question is at quarterback and he's injured and then Andy Dalton has to fill in, play average and not turn the ball over, and that's exactly what he did, minus Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, like, I think they could be 2-2 two and two right now. If Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas play on Sunday in London, I really feel, I fully believe they beat the Minnesota Vikings. So, I think they're the best of the worst just because this roster is loaded. And even if Jameis was healthy, I don't think they're sitting at one and three. But that could be the biggest question. And that could be why they fall on the wayside is Michael Thomas tends to get banged up. And you're concerned with Alvin Kamara and his ribs and playing running back. A rib injury is a solid. And if Jameis Winston has fractures in his back and his ankle, you're like, this could be a waste of a year of such a talented roster. And you have to start making moves because they're strapped in salary cap. But I think the New Orleans Saints, like, I was on them heavy uh, where I think they could compete for the division. And obviously with injuries and stuff, that's not looking like the greatest take, but at the same time, they're only one game behind the division leader, which is the Bucks and Falcons are tied for the division right now, both sitting at two and two. So even at one and three, they're only a game out of contention of, you know, being taking over the division. So I definitely think like, I'm just high on the New Orleans Saints and I was high on them coming into the season. Yeah, you're on the money with that one. And I'm looking at who they play next week. It looks like uh, 
They play, I think, the C- uh, Seattle. Yeah, and they could win. Like, they, they, yeah, I, I was, win. yeah, I think they could win that game too. And they're at home. And yeah, so, Andy Dalton, Michael Thomas should be back, and Alvin Kamara is expected to be back as well. So even if it's Andy Dalton, you have your offense that's full strength. Chris Olave is a guy. Like he's definitely a guy. He's pro- he's playing like the best rookie wide receiver right now. So is but Garrett Wilson and Drake London are playing amazing as rookie wide receivers as well. But Olave yeah. is a guy. We know what Jarvis Landry gives you coming out of the slot, and we know when Michael Thomas is healthy. The two games he's been really healthy in this, he scored touchdowns. He's giving you close to 100 yards and he scored touchdowns. So that's what Michael Thomas does. Um, so I think if Andy Dalton gets to run this offense with Kamara and Mark Ingram at running back and Olave, Jarvis Landry, and Michael Thomas, I, I very well feel like he can do what Cooper Rush was doing in Dallas and play well enough and the defense can step up and play well enough because they're not lacking talent on that side of the ball where he can win a few games and let Jameis get back to health. Like, I think you can win some games with Andy Dalton with surrounding him with all those weapons. This would be the most talented offense he's ever played for as well. So I think he could do that. Cooper, maybe not go 3-0 and over the next three weeks, but if the offense is fully healthy and the defense continues to play the way they need to play, was they've given up some big plays, but who doesn't? I think Andy Dalton could win a few games. I think, you know, four or five weeks from now, I think the Saints could be in a lot better uh a lot better position to kind of battle for the uh, NFC South and be a playoff contender um, closer to the end of the season. Maybe have to answer the quarterback, maybe swing some big trade. I don't know what their draft picks are. You know, they don't have a draft pick this year in the first round because it went to the Eagles. They traded up for Chris Olave. So I don't know what they'll do with the quarterback situation, but I'm sure they might even be big suitors for Jimmy G to come in there with a win now roster and, and see what damage we could do in the NFC. So before we close out, Broad, very broad, very quick. Just touch on the NBA. Preseason has started. Biggest thing is Phoenix lost to the 36ers. Um, that's what everybody's going crazy about. And Ben Ben Simmons' first shot was a fadeaway off the side of the backboard. Those are the viral moments through the NBA preseason so far. And Russell Westbrook is in rock the baby form. Love to see it. I hope he plays great this year. Whether he's a Laker or not, I'm rooting for Russell Westbrook. What is one or two things that has you excited for this NBA season? Uh, well, first of all, um, what has me excited is I'm in L.A. right now. So you best believe I'm trying to get into that Lakers uh, arena. So hopefully I can cover a Lakers game. Um, there's a lot to be excited for from the three things you just said. For number one, DeAndre Aiden won't finish the season in Phoenix. I don't believe. I think, I think he's going to be out of there. There's going to be a lot of problems with Phoenix. They're going to win some games. I mean, Devin Booker's a top 10 player in the world, according to the list. You have Chris Paul, who I believe always wins no matter what. And then you have talent. You're well coached. So I think they'll win some games, but that's going to, that's going to be an ongoing story. I don't think that's something that's just going to get put to rest right away. Yeah. When it comes to Ben Simmons, I am not buying stock at all in Brooklyn at all. Like I'm just, they have talent. They're good. But when I listened to the press conference and I listened to Kevin Durant, that was one of the most frustrating Kevin, uh, press conferences I've ever listened to. It's like you, everything that he blamed Brooklyn for not being is everything what he left in Golden State. It's like he wanted culture and stability and he wanted everyone to play hard and everyone to know their role. And it's like you had all of that. So I have no sympathy for you. And then instead of, you know what, I need to be better. It starts with me and it trickles down. It was, I didn't like when the GM did this. I didn't like when Steve was doing this. And I felt like the play, it was just a lot of like finger pointing, man. And I'm like, that's what makes Giannis above Kevin Durant, in my opinion, every day, all day. It's 
It's just having that you're the guy. Like it starts with you. That culture that is set is you. Like if you rewatch The Last Dance, Michael Jordan was like, I'm not going to let any front office stop me and stop any players from winning games. I'm not going to ever let the front office affect what happens on the court. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Kevin Durant's Michael Jordan, but that just goes to show you like I'm just not buying stock in Brooklyn whatsoever. And then when it goes to the rest of the season, you can't say that the Lakers aren't interesting. You know what I mean? Like we all want to see what happens. This is LeBron year 20. And Anthony Davis is saying everything you want to hear about being available and needing to just go and get it, so to speak, quote unquote. Russell Westbrook rocking the baby drives me absolutely insane, man. It drives me bonkers. But as long as Anthony Davis is available, we may have hope. So we'll see. Yeah, I just real quick looking at Anthony Davis. Um, oh man! <laughs> going into the preseason game last night against the Sacramento Kings, this man was on the injury report for back tightness. Like we didn't even make it through training camp without seeing AD on the injury report. He is saying all the right things, and then boom, your name pops up on the injury report as quest probable. You're probably going to play. They expect you to play, but you got sore back already. Like we haven't played a game yet. Everything gets leaked for a reason. Absolutely everything. There's always a why behind every report. And there was a report, I think Chris Haynes reported it. LeBron James said, hey, AD, it's time for you to take the reins. There's a reason why that got leaked. That Mm -hmm. that got leaked. LeBron knows, everyone knows, LeBron's trying to give you the keys right now. But you keep folding. Like, you keep messing up. You got the keys, man. Like, you can't keep looking away. You got to step up. If you don't want that, then you need to get shipped. And I know that sounds crude, but... LeBron's in year 20, not saying that if he were to not play another game, his legacy's already set, but he's not wasting his time here. He still wants to win. This guy's still ultra competitive. You're supposed to be that guy and you're missing more games than you're playing. Like that's a major issue. So no matter how much hope you may have in LeBron, at the end of the day, if Anthony Davis isn't there to play the game, it doesn't matter. The Lakers aren't going to be good. Yeah. And I think LeBron, like LeBron brought AD to LA to prepare for going into year 19 and year 20 to be Robin for the first time in his career and have, let me get a Batman entering his prime and let me be able to take a step back and still be great, but have a top five player. And it might not be me. Like he wanted a top five player on the Lakers and he didn't want it to have to be him. And up to this point, it has, even though they won the championship, everybody can say it's invalid in the bubble. I don't care. LeBron has four championships. Um, But before we get out of here, the one thing that I'm looking forward to in the NBA season is there's not really a team. I don't, want to watch like like league pass is essential for this year because like i've fallen in love with watching the young guys and like as my favorite players are fading out uh from growing up like i'm looking at that next wave and it's even deeper than like the jason tatum and donovan mitchell's like it's going younger like i want to see what they got in detroit they're building something over there and and i like what they're doing so i want to see some k cunningham I like what Houston's doing and like I want to be able to witness some of what Houston is doing from the ground up so that if it does come into fruition and all these guys grow into what you think they could be, it was beautiful to witness from the beginning. Like then I do want to see Memphis and Golden State. Like I want to see those teams, but like the Houstons and the Detroits, what we're watching, the Orlando Magic, the young teams that may not be that good, but they're good enough to watch, but they might not be good on the record side. And I think Detroit might could make the play-in team full disclosure, when I do my NBA preview, I think that's a possibility. I know I'm not alone in that, but like to see these rebuilds from the ground up and knowing that you're watching possible the next wave of superstars come through the buildings and and when it does come into fruition and Jalen Green is 
does become a superstar with Sanguine and, you know, Jabari Smith and KPJ. Like, when we get to see all that and see what that looks like in two to three years, you're like, man, I've seen that from the beginning. And I think as much as we want to watch the superstars and, like, the NBA on Christmas type of teams, like, I think on Tuesday night when it's Detroit versus Orlando, like, I think you'll watch a good product which is something we couldn't always say about those two teams for the past 10 years. It's like, ah, who cares? Like the guys who really love basketball. I know you covered the Orlando magic. So you was watching that regardless, but you didn't feel like you're watching a good product where like they could be bottom at the, at the time. And you're like, man, that was a good game though. I got to watch Kay Cunningham go to work. I got to watch Cole Anthony score 30. You know, I got to watch Paolo Bancaro and, and all these other guys. So I think with Jaden Ivy, like I think what they got with these, Young teams, I think there's a lot of talent there and it's worth watching. So anybody who bought that $150 package and got that uh, league pass, you're you're definitely gonna you're definitely gonna use it and enjoy it because I think there's a lot of teams worth watching. I can't really think of a team where I'm just like uh outside of probably the Spurs. <laughs> like the Spurs yeah, be the only do. team that I don't want to watch play basketball. Yeah, the Spurs I'm Man, I don't want to bash Greg Pop. I know he's a great coach, but hey, what has he done post Tim Duncan? That's all I'm going to say. But um, Anthony Edwards will be a top 10 player by the end of the year. That's one of my big predictions. That guy's going to have a breakthrough year. Like, this is going to be the year of Luca and Anthony Edwards. So, look, look Ant over Ja? Like, this is year of Luca and Ant, like, and not year of Ja? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, no, no. This, I think. I don't, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I've already said it. I'm going to do an NBA previous podcast. I think this is going to be Giannis wins it. Anthony takes a huge step, enters top 10, and Luca's your MVP. That's what's going to happen. That's solid. That That's solid. Yeah. It's just, you know, everybody is that I that's think the jaw tattoo on the hand saying he's him is, uh, I think it's going to make him take a step back. I think he's feeling himself a little bit. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong. Jaw is great, but, you know, just no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, now, stuff like that. He's going to be – defenses are going to look at Jaw as MVP Jaw now, not, oh, that guy's talented Jaw. This is going to be like, no, yeah. we need to stop him Jaw. And I'm not saying he's, he's still going to thrive. At the end of the day, you still can't guard him. He's still going to be really, really good. Anthony Edwards has a higher ceiling than Jaw Morant, 100%. Well, you heard it here on Up in Flames, and you'll hear it on his NBA preview show. But, Max, before we go, plug in your show, plug in your work, plug in some future projects before we got up out of here. Yep, yep. I appreciate it. First of all, thank you for having me. You're one of the best um, broadcasters, podcasters there are. I always enjoy uh, talking with you. It's just like such real conversation. It's something I really appreciate. So make sure you download it, rate, subscribe his podcast. You can check me out. Max Van Auken is my brand. You can figure uh, wherever you get podcasts, you type that in, it will pop right up. And I have a monster podcast dropping Thursday. I literally just got confirmation right now. So it's going to happen Thursday. Make sure you tune in for that. I have like four podcasts possibly dropping this week. So go ahead and check it out. Yeah, make sure you check him out. I always listen to every show he drops. It's, it's real. It's genuine. It's, it's insightful. It's fun. So make sure you go check out my guy. And on that note, I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening, and Up in Flames is out.